What do you think personally, Adam, from your standpoint is the difference between say like a six figure mentality, a seven figure mentality and an eight figure mentality? That's a tough question because so there are so many factors that play into that, in my opinion, at least. So you know, it depends on you know what problem are you truly you know trying to solve, or you know what's your mission. So what are you focused on? Do you really want to be an eight-figure business? We stand today. The business method with a shout The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their online and location-independent business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses, and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand, Get Shit Done Live. It's 10 days of high-performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic that happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That is thebusinessmethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show. The Business Method. Hey listeners, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is the second half of a two-part interview with Adam Trouncer, the CEO of Athletic Greens. If you haven't checked out the first part of the interview yet, be sure to do that first. If you have, welcome back to the show. Adam and I chat more in depth about building and running an eight-figure remote team, and let's dive back into the show. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Has there been any any productivity hacks that you've been really surprised of that you've learned from your team members or they've they've shared with you that really really works and and you hadn't heard about it before? Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, we have stuff flying around Slack all the time on this, which I love. Um, uh, we've just hired an amazing guy called Jono, who's a digital tooling expert, and uh, I'm really excited to have him on board because uh, I love digital tools that automate things or connect things and minimize the manual work. But um, uh, some of my favorite things are Calendly, which yeah, uh, schedules meetings and like little things like that just really change the game if you're a remote business. Um, uh, managing permissions across all our tools and systems it, you know, made a massive difference. And also things like, you know, um, little apps on your computer to turn off the blue lights, you get better sleep, uh, things like that. So, yeah, there's a, I, I'm happy to write and send you a long list, Chris, at the lab team. Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious on some, if you can share some more of the digital tools that you guys use that have really helps Athletic Greens. Sure, yeah. I, we're massive fans of Slack, um, so that makes a huge difference to kind of foster company communication. We use Zoom for all our video calls, which means it's integrated. And you know, we have company-wide calls with 30 people on them, all on video once a month or so, so that everyone continues to get to know each other. Um, yeah, see everyone face to face. There's a ton of marketing tools across the board, but 
dive into those um, personally for me. I guess some tools we've set up ourselves. So we have an organizational framework that we use to help with communication and with and to, to making sure that everyone understands their their the current organizational priorities. Um, so there's a book called Action which we've kind of built it flat on a load to, to replicate, which certainly helps setting kind of uh, quarterly, monthly, and weekly and priorities for each team and person on the team and understanding how they stack up in a million. It really depends on what problem you're trying to solve. And, um, you know, the, the hardest thing for us is as you, as you do grow and change, the internal tech and requirements change as well. So manual systems then need to become enterprise. And, yeah, we're, we're on that fun journey as well. What do you think the next decade looks like for for companies that are building remote teams and, and specifically um, the growth and changes of working with remote teams? So I think this, uh, for us, I'm really excited about what we're building and we're still on the cutting edge, i say, and I think it's, you know, everyone who is building a remote or distributed team, it's still very early days. Um uh, I have no doubt that it's going to continue to grow, and I think there'll be a lot more companies that do it. Um, I'm really fascinated to see, you know, how large or how much an impact we can have as a business, and how far we can go as a distributed company. Um, I think we'll continue to. Um, I think it'll be very hard for companies that aren't distributed to try to make that shift. I think it'd be very hard to go from an office or set environment to then become distributed simply because you don't have those systems, tools, processes all set up. Um, but I think you'll start to see that shift that we are seeing at the moment, which is, you know, a few days a week you remote and then you're back in the office, things like that. So I'm not really sure where it'll go. Um, like, in, like everything, it's got its advantages and its disadvantages. Some things are annoying because we, you know, you can't tap someone on the shoulder, but, um, we, there's a lot of positives as well. We can hire great people from anywhere in the world. Um, our team loves it. They can, you know, live a life or a lifestyle that suits them. And um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. For me, it's just a. It's not really a. It's not a. It's not a big question. It's whatever's kind of working for the team and uh, the business model at the time. So we're fortunate to be an online business um, that really suits a distributed team. Um, but obviously, there are other businesses out there that will never be distributed and couldn't be. Um, you mentioned quite a few things about fostering the the synergy or keeping people connected within the culture of a remote team. I've I've talked to a couple entrepreneurs and friends that uh, the guys from Jungle Scouts and yeah. uh, the guys from Empire Flippers, and they uh, they do like uh, yearly work retreats or even quarterly. I've heard people doing it quarterly too. Um, do you guys yep. do, do you, what are some of the things that you guys use at Athletic Greens to like foster that, that, uh, community and, and connection? Sure. Well, I think there's a few things there. I'll caveat with, you know, it all comes down to the people first and the culture that you, you know, uh, the culture and the values that you have internally. So, you know, we're very strong on that. We hire, um, based on our values and, uh, you know, making sure that someone is a cultural fit is, you know. 50% of the interviewing process for us. Um, so it's first bringing the right people on. And then I think it's just um, touch points, systems, and processes to make sure that, um, you know, that culture is continued to be fostered. So things that we do, um, we obviously have face-to-face -face video. It's a big difference. Um, we have company-wide calls once a quarter. Uh, sorry, uh, once a month. Um, I continually do uh, company updates every week to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. Um 
uh, as well as that, you know, we, we meet on a quarterly basis with the leadership team to us, uh, you know, as much face-to-face as we possibly can. I, I personally think the face-to-face is important at times. Um, and, of course, you know, um, it's all about working with great people and having fun, you know, with those little things, you know, in a day-to-day basis as well. So um, there's lots of little things we do from, you know, learning about each other to asking a dumb question on a call to, to get to know someone a little bit better that we, we do. Um just to make sure that that interaction is there and everyone really enjoys, you know, uh, working with each other. So I know you you had kind of some of your own ventures as an entrepreneur and then stepped into the athletic green world. Do you feel like it was a good fit for you to, to, to step into a business that was already built? You've been with them for two years, right? Uh, no, I've been working with Chris for nearly four or five years now, actually. Okay. But I, I took over the day-to-day um, kind of about to two years ago or so but um for me uh i was always interested in business and the way i describe this to other friends is that uh you know there's different stages of business and each stage of business requires different skill sets and and has different challenges and um entrepreneurs can certainly be put on a pedestal in society sometimes and it is extremely hard to to, to build a business from scratch um for me, uh, I enjoy all aspects of it, so I've played around with that initial entrepreneurship. Uh, I wouldn't say I was great at it, but I, I did, a, did a decent job. Um, and now I'm really enjoying the challenge of taking something that, that someone else kind of started and partnering with Chris and, and taking it to the next level. Um, and there's a ton of different challenges associated with where we are today to where we want to get in the next five years um, compared to that initial part of the journey. So for me, it's it's just problem solving and it's uh, it's just a different challenge. Um, I certainly enjoy this stage of business. I've realized that more and more. And um, if I was to, to do something else in you know, down the track in five years, yeah, I might consider taking business and turning it around or buying a business or you know some other part of the business cycle or journey. Uh, yeah. I know you mentioned that Athletic Greens is an eight-figure company now. I'm curious if for you, from a CEO standpoint, what has been the biggest growth shifts that you've experienced with Athletic Greens? Sure. So I, uh, it's a good question. I, I think the thing about Athletic Greens is that we've always had an amazing product, and uh, Chris and the team, we, we've never, we've always um, gone out to build something truly world class. Um, at times we haven't articulated the quality of the product as well as we probably could have. We haven't articulated the value proposition and kind of, uh, we haven't done a great job marketing the product. And so I think the biggest change or shift is just making sure that we're articulating, you know, why we're here, you know, just articulating the, the value proposition in a, in a really, really simple way. So, um, we've always had world-class customer service. We've had an amazing product, but I think um, the biggest change in growth has occurred when we've been able to articulate that correctly to customers and potential customers. Adam, I, mean, I, I know you've seen a lot of growth starting out as a bootstrapping entrepreneur, gr- working with startups, growing mm-hmm. your own startups, and then joining Athletic Greens. I'm curious, like, what do you think the, the mentality differences between like a six-figure entrepreneur uh, or business, a seven-figure business, and an eight-figure business? Sure. I think that's a, it's a really hard question to answer because there are a lot of factors. Um, to me, I think it starts with the founding vision or the mission uh, or what problem you're trying to solve. So, uh, 
you know, at Athletic Greens, we're very mission-driven. Um, we're, we're, we're targeting a problem that, that, you know, could have a big impact. And uh, at the same time, you know, there's a market there that's big enough to sustain an eight- or nine-figure business. Um, you know, there, there are other businesses out there that uh, provide amazing services to customers in a small niche or a small category that simply, um, you know, won't, able, won't be able to become an eight- or nine-figure business because the mission or the purpose of the business um, isn't big enough to sustain that. So uh, to me, it comes back to the vision. Uh, what are you looking to really build? Um, you know, is it just growth for growth's sake? Do you just want a seven or eight figure business so that you can say you've got a seven or eight figure business or are you really looking to add that much value to the world? So um, for me, um, I, there, are, there are great businesses out there that are small businesses that are profitable that, you know, suit the purpose and mission of the founder or entrepreneur. Um, and I think that's awesome. Um, and, you know, for those that are looking to, to grow that little step bigger, I'd pose the question, you know, how can you add more value to your customers? Um, you know, what problem are you really solving? And, uh, yeah, is the market big enough to sustain that? I think I have to ask this question for the listener's sake. You guys have done an amazing job partnering with influencers over the years. And one of the partnerships you guys have created and fostered is with Tim Ferriss. And um, I, I, th- I would just like to, to kind of hear your viewpoints and, and strategies on um, picking partners to work with or influencers, um, how that relationship um, evolved with Tim, and then what if you guys are still using that strategy to, to continue to grow the business. Sure, no problem. So to me, uh, I've been asked this question before, and uh, the, uh, the other time I answered, uh, I think I, I said the correct thing, which was that before I think you can even think about working with influencers, you need to make sure that you have a truly world-class product or service so that they'd be willing um, to work with you in any way. Um, now, we've been very fortunate um, because of the amazing quality product that you know, Chris started and created and that we've iterated on. Um, that uh, we are at a point where we can work with um, some incredible people. Uh, how we choose those people is really that, you know, do they believe in our values? Are they on track with our mission? And do they love the product and use the product as well? So um, that's really how we uh, meet or come up with people uh, who can promote our product. Um, and so for us, it's although it is a, a strategy for acquiring customers, it's really um, centered around our values and vision. Um, we don't work with anyone who we don't believe in. And, um, you know, they've got to have, you know, just like a team member coming on the team, they've got to have the same, you know, values and visions that we do. Uh, does that answer the question? Yeah. Are you guys still partnering up um, on a regular yeah. basis with influencers? Yeah, definitely. So we work, uh, you know, I think last year I met an amazing guy called Michael Gervais, you might, might or might know. Um, he's a performance coach for the Settle Seahawks and has another great podder, uh, mm-hmm. podcast called Finding Mastery. Um, you know, we met him. You know, I, I thought he was an awesome dude. Uh, he loved the product and so we partnered with him. So definitely in this category especially, one of the hardest things is you know, how do we show customers or how do we differentiate ourselves versus everything else out there? And so... Um, if you, you know, look at our product and our packet, I'd say one in 20 people or one in 50 could actually read the nutritional panel on the back of Athletic Greens and truly understand, um, you know, how it's differentiated and, and why it's different and, you know, the quality of the ingredients and everything in there. So in order to cut through that consumer trust, the easiest way to do it is to find an influencer or someone that they respect in the health space um, and, 
you know, if, if they promote that product, then, you know, it's, it's easier for that person to get over the line, obviously. And so that's why influencers work for us is because they help build trust, um, you know, with potential customers. Now, are, are, you probably have a line, a, uh, a long list of influencers that want to work with you guys, but do you, do you have a strategy other than just organic um, connections to, to find new influencers to work with in any form? Sure. So historically, it was, you know, like any other company where it was, you know, uh, who do I know, you know, who are friends of friends and how do I meet all, you know, I meet awesome people and I like them and they promote the product. Uh, moving forward, definitely, we're, we're starting to put together a lot more rigor around, you know, brand ambassadors, you know, who can be kind of longer term uh, strategic partners with us and things like that. So, yeah, well, we're moving towards that now, but certainly for the first number of years, it's it's like any other business, um, you know, who loves the product, you know, who will help promote and uh, who do I know or who does Chris know who'd be willing to, uh, you know, to, to promote and, and uh, endorse the product. And if you had to, Adam, if you had to wipe out and start all over again, ground zero, what, what would you do? Uh, with Athletic Greens or just in general? You personally, just your, you. Me personally? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't change anything. I don't think you can look back and, and question what you've done. Everything that I've done, there's been failures, it's been really hard times, it's been broke times, it's been fun times. Um, I treasure every every part of it. I think, um, you know, it's all about, for me, the learning and the journey along the way. Um, if, if I'm constantly getting stronger or, or learning and growing as a person, then I'm really, really happy. And I think, you know, uh, all the positives and negatives, you know, build that. And my hope for the future is that, you know, as a company and a team, we continue to learn, grow, get better at what we do and just add more value to the world. So, um, no, nah, I wouldn't change it. Enough. Any business opportunities out there or ideas or niches that you like that if you weren't with Athletic Greens, maybe you'd work on something like that? Oh, for sure. I, I'm, you know, I love business, so I'm constantly reading uh, learning, um, you know, anything out there. I think there's so many fascinating things coming out. Um, in my mind, I don't know what I'd be working on. I haven't thought about that or even considered that at this point in time. Um, I, I like to think about what challenges there are in the world or what are the big problems out there that need solving. Um, tech is a huge part of my background and there's a million different opportunities, I think, if you, you are in tech or, or you know that. Um, for me, you know, I'm interested in, in the kind of the blockchain space, not so much the, you know, the crypto space, but more kind of the technology as a whole. Um, AI is fascinating in so many ways and how to use data and um, kind of machine learning and things like that. Um, but no, nothing on the radar that I've specifically picked up. Obviously, health too. Um, there's yeah. so much in health that can be done and uh, it'd be rude for me not to say that, but um the U.S. healthcare system could could use some help too. <laughs> yeah, I'll second that. Or, or actually, you know, and and that's where I come to is that health is you know is a core value of mine, and that's why I love working at Athletic Greens. I think we're we're, we're doing what we can um, to help, and I think the shift, you know, really to health and wellness and preventative medicine um, versus um, you know uh, band aid type medicine in certain areas. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something that the world needs. So that's why I work with Athletic Greens along with all the awesome team and all the other, you know, that's why I'm so excited about our mission.
Very cool. Hey, uh, Adam, I think we're going to wrap up there. I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all your story and all your tips and tricks with us. We really appreciate it. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you guys have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Sure. Yeah, jump over to Athletic Greens. Um, we've got a Facebook page, Facebook slash Athletic Greens, Twitter, all the social things, uh, or hit me up as well. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So totally cool. Adam, again, thank you so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our annual Get Shit Done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly. And whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.